everyone. Welcome to HubShot's episode 249. In this episode, we talk about why HubSpot marketing email client reports are so powerful and why Apple's upcoming privacy changes are so devastating, including HubSpot tracking URL builder and Netflix merch store and the power of focus. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot focus podcast, where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks and strategies for growing your sales, service, marketing and operations results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found and with me is Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? I'm well and what a monster episode we have today. And you know why? It's a holiday. It's public holiday here and just public holiday malarkey. It's the Queen's birthday weekend, which, you know, I have a lot of respect for the Queen, but I don't know why I've got a public holiday about it anymore in Australia and other countries in the Commonwealth. But is what it is. I'm not complaining. Gave us more time to really dig into the show notes. That's right. So, folks, if you haven't signed up already, hubshots.com slash subscribe. We are probably going to touch on about only half of what's in the show notes. So, so Craig and listeners, anyone looking for a HubSpot-focused job? Well, one of Craig's clients is looking for an experienced HubSpot person to join their team and growing into an overall marketing manager role. And we've added a shot at the end of these show notes with the job description. I think so, yeah. So go and check it out. It's right at the end. And also, I'm going to open this up. Listeners, if you've got a role that you'd like, send me an email. So just reply to the show notes. Send me details about it. I'll chat with you, you know, to get some more. And then we'll mention it on the show. So we're not like, you know, we're not going to have this huge job board. There's plenty of those. But if there's a few select roles that we I've chatted with you and vetted and then recommend to our listeners, you know, we'd like to connect people. So, see how it goes. And that role is based in Melbourne and you have to go into the office. All right. And not to forget our HubShot's 28-day marketing challenge is almost ready. Yeah. Look, it's got to the point. Uh, we're kicking off in July. And so, we've actually put it on the menu on the, on the site now. Ian. Yeah. You can actually find it. And listeners, we encourage you to go and register your interest on that page and we'll be sharing the link on our social media shortly. All right. Now talk about Twitter threads and inefficiency, Craig. Just a quick one. You know, last episode I said I've got Twitter blue and I've got reader view. Correct. It occurred to me how crazy the times are we live in because if you think of Twitter, it was designed for short tweets. That was the whole limitation feature. And then people wanted to create these threads right, to get around that limitation. And so then people started creating other tools like Threader app and Readwise and that so that they could capture those threads. Yep. And now Twitter Blue has come out and for whatever price I'm paying per month, I can't remember, I now get Reader View. So it's kind of like <laughs> the platform that introduced the limitation is now charging me to make that same. limitation less painful. It's, it's just inefficiency. It's just crazy, isn't it? Anyway, <laughs> take my money. So. <laughs> All right, on to our quick shots of the week, Craig. Now, for those listeners who haven't uh, listened to the news, Apple announced some new privacy features this week at the Worldwide Developer Conference. And it was really interesting, Craig, to see what is coming this year for iOS, Apple TV OS, Mac OS, and we keep going. Look, interesting is one word, scary is another. And we're just touching on this as a quick shot, but we will be talking about this a lot, I can tell you. This is going to be big. Their privacy relay feature is essentially going to render emails that are opened in an Apple email client yes. as 100% open rate. So you send it out. Because they go via relays, those pixels will be fired. So that becomes useless as a marketing reporting statistic. We're going to chat about marketing reports in a second. But this is big, Ian. This is, 
2021 is going to be the year we look back on and say, wow, the marketing golden age definitely was killed by Apple. You know, first there's the Facebook things, which I'm not so much worried about. But this email piece, it's really, this is going to be big. That's right. And I think listeners, you should be looking out and reading up about it because we've seen it with clients, even in the little things that have been introduced, like sign up with Apple. So again, protect your privacy. And you see the amount of data that comes through, especially if it's connected to HubSpot, really gives you the inability not to communicate with those people because there is no email that identifies them and they're just an ID, so it makes it really hard. Yeah, and look, I think there's two there's two things to be discussed here, which we will chat about in detail in upcoming episodes. It's like, I don't actually want to know individual people. So I'm happy for you to be private individually. So I, I think some of that stuff is too creepy and too invasive. But open rates, I want to know how many people are opening emails yes. as, a, as, as a group. What percentage are actually opening them? Correct. So this is the problem. Group reporting versus individual privacy. Happy for you to keep individual privacy. I think that's a great move. But, you know, cutting off group, any kind of data, it's kind of like page views. It's like using analytics to check page views. Don't care who the person is, what look at the page. I just want to see how many people were on the page. Anyway, this is going to be big. All right. And then another one is the HubSpot Media Bridge API that allows developers to add support directly embedding media into HubSpot content items like landing pages, emails as well as engagement data into reports like timelines and actions in workflows. And this is currently in public beta. More integrations added as well into the operations hub list. Now we're at 41 connectors. There's a link in the show notes to a page that shows all of those connectors and the amount of installs each one has had. Some of them only have 10 or 20 installs, Ian. Correct. I'm interested to see if they go up over time. I think they will. And I think as people get more and more familiar and they realize the ability to connect and sync data between systems, that will become more and more crucial and critical. And now you can partition ad accounts in Marketing Hub Enterprise, Craig. Fancy that. Only took a little while. Well, that's good. Only uh, what's left? Social. Social. All right. On to HubSpot Marketing Feature of the Week and HubSpot Marketing Email Clients Reporting. This is so powerful. And we've talked about it before on the show about this report. I've got some screenshots in the show Correct. notes. You're going to look at a campaign that's been sent. It could be an automation campaign, could be a newsletter campaign. Actually, it could be an RSS email campaign as well. And you Correct. go scroll right to the bottom and you can see the email clients that open the email. This is really powerful. I want to highlight why, because we use this as a very quick indicator of whether the audience that is being reached via emails is appropriate. So I've got a few screenshots from various client portals in there. It's all anonymized, so you're not going to know who the client is. But I have mentioned above each screenshot which industry they're in. And when you go through, you look at some of the industry ones. Say it's a B2B technology company in working in the Microsoft space. Well, you uh, wouldn't be surprised if a lot of them are opening those emails in Outlook clients. That's actually a good sign. However, if they're opening them in things such as Yahoo Mail, and I think I've got that in one of the screenshots, there's a bit of a warning flag there that perhaps your audience isn't right. And in this particular case, it's not. Trying to target CIOs and IT managers and the emails are getting opened in Yahoo email, probably not a good sign. Anyway, then you keep going and there's other examples we've got. For example, if you're at the premium end, especially in e-commerce, and you've got a large part of your audience opening in iOS, 
that's actually a good sign because that tends to be a higher socioeconomic demographic. Not saying that's right or wrong, I'm just saying it is, and that's a good indication. Whereas if they're actually opening it in other clients, it's maybe a bad sign. So the point I'm trying to make here is that just by looking at that report and the email clients that people are using, you can actually very quickly get a bit of a barometer about whether the people that you're targeting are correct. Now, if you can dig further into that, that's just the open rates. Then you can look at who's clicking. So the click rates are even a a better indicator. So if you've got, say, iOS users who are clicking through on e-commerce, probably a good sign. Back to our B2B example, if you've got people in opening Yahoo email clicking through to your Microsoft-specific high-end technology service, probably not. So some good signs there. The thing that I just wanted to mention, I'd love it if there was a way, and I don't think you can, I'd love it if there were a way you can make an active list based on contacts that opened an email with a certain email client. I looked through, I don't think there's a way to do it. So you can tell which email was opened by people, but a list of people who opened emails with, say, iOS mail client or Chrome or Outlook. I'd love to be able to segment that out and then very easily sync it, say, to Facebook or other platforms as audiences. Because one of the benefits you can get about looking at this is you can see, especially on clicks, if you're sending out emails and getting clicks with a certain, say, it's iOS users... Well, maybe they're a good audience to target on Facebook and you can target devices on Facebook. So anyway, some good insights there. Hopefully that's useful. And the caveat and why we mentioned it this episode right after mentioning the Apple privacy thing is because this is coming to an end, folks. Correct. Looking at the Apple mail open rate, that's going to change by the end of the year once iOS 15 is out and that we don't get that data accurately anymore. Cue violins. All right, onto our HubSpot sales feature of the week, Craig, and this is managing notifications for sales activities. And notifications are wonderful uh, as long as they're not overwhelming. And we find a lot of salespeople get overwhelmed by all the notifications they get from within HubSpot as an email, as a task, as a little bell reminder at the top there. And you can actually control all of that, your email, desktop, and mobile notifications in your profile and preferences under notifications. So some of the things that you might want to look at is deal notifications, task notifications. And also that you can set them separately. That's right. As you mentioned, email, you might want to get a notification about tasks in via email, but if you're in the app, maybe not. Correct. So they've really done a lot of work on this to make it specific to the user. So I'd encourage you, even if you haven't had a look at this across the platform, I would encourage you all to go there and check what is available and maybe what you're missing out on. Often the prospects notification email is not enabled. That's a really good one. And that's in this area where you go to check your notifications. All right, onto our HubSpot bonus feature of the week, Craig, the HubSpot tracking URL builder. And this is a reminder that in HubSpot has its own tracking URL builder, which is sometimes a bit hidden. And you can put tracking parameters in them and you'll find it under settings, analytics, and tracking. And we've linked to a knowledge base article. And people would often ask us, why is it important, Craig? Yeah, well, if you see this screenshot, you'll see you can actually choose the channels. So you really want to be able to track if they're coming from certain channels, social channels, others, um, be able to report on that against, well, ultimately campaigns. So tracking URLs are essentially the URL with some little URL parameters on them. Uh, This tool guides you how to create those parameters so that then you can easily differentiate your sources. 
Now, another way you would utilize this is say you are running a partnership with somebody else who is sending an email with a with a paid partnership that you might have with them and they link through to your site. So this is a good way to have a tracking URL that you can give them where you could potentially track the particular email they're coming from. Or another way is you might be having banner advertising running on that particular site and you might want to have individual tracking URLs for each of those banners in those locations. So you can understand which one is working correctly. And that'll give you a really big boost. All right. On to our HubSpot gotcha of the week, Craig. Look, it's not really a gotcha in terms of a bad thing. It's just that sometimes people say, oh, how do I change the menus? Uh, you know, I've got a web page. How do I change the menus? And you go, oh, right. You've got to go under settings, then down to website, and then navigation. They're like, why isn't it just under the marketing menu? And I'm like, I don't know. Why isn't it actually under marketing web pages? I don't know, Ian. Why, why isn't it? I don't know, Craig, and it's been like this for a while, and you'll see it, it's under the more tools menu, and it's an advanced menu. Now, that's what we think of as menus. Now, sometimes you can have simple menus, Craig, that are embedded in templates, and you have to go into the template. Oh, that's right. Even more confusing. The simple menu that's there. So, we have a client that has that, and every time they're trying to do this, they're like, oh, I need to update this. Can you please do this for us? And because it's a simple menu that's embedded in a template. Can you remind me, why do you even use simple menus rather than an advanced menu? That is a good question. I think we did that when the template was built a long time ago. Right. Yeah, okay. All right. On to our marketing tip of the week, Craig. The product is the marketing. I've been thinking this about this a lot lately. It's not a new idea. And of course, anyone that's worked in user experience, such as HubSpot, is very focused on will, of course, be across this. But for our clients and for us as an agency as well, I've been thinking about this idea that the product is the marketing. And I'll explain what I mean first by using a negative case where the the product works against the marketing. And then I'll talk about how it can actually be the reverse. So we've got a, uh, we actually got a couple of clients. One is a product provider. They write software and we're actually doing marketing for them. And we actually have other clients, some of who actually use this product or could use this product that we're also doing marketing for. Anyway, I've got a screenshot of an email that one of our clients sent us that said, oh, the product that we're using from this other client that we're doing marketing for is really painful to use. So I've seen both sides. We're doing marketing for the software. We're getting them leads. We're getting them demos. And then they're selling it. And we've also got clients here that have gone through that process of marketing and the demo, and then I've started a trial and they're finding it really painful. And they're like, and so in the, in the email that we've, I've got actually a screenshot, they're like, yeah, we're probably not going to continue. And so I'm like, oh, wh- what can we do about that? Because we have no control over the product. And the thing for the software client of ours is like, this is not a marketing problem. It's not a sales problem. This is a product problem. And no amount of amazing marketing can overcome a poor product. So that's the reverse, which shows the problem. The flip side is the advantage. And if you do get the product so good, then it's almost part of your marketing for you. And of course, HubSpot has done this. They're probably a a fantastic example of where the product is so good that people love using it. And in fact, in the email screenshot I've got, the client has actually said to us, you know, we don't want to use this painful product. In fact, can you pull that stuff into HubSpot? (laughs) (laughs) It's like a perfect little case study here. And HubSpot is the perfect example of a tool that's 
focused on the user experience. And of course, they've got a whole bunch of other things and they do marketing and they've got you know, HubSpot Academy and so much kind of like it, everything they're doing is really good. But the product has to be good because all those other peripheral things would just be destroyed or undermined is a better word by a bad product. And so then applying that to our own businesses, we can't all be HubSpot. We can't all, all be uh, billion dollar companies with massive budgets to put into user experience, but we can start. And this is, I think, the thing that I'm trying to talk with clients about because cost-wise, if you actually put some budget into getting the product better, it's actually going to repay dividends more than putting all the marketing budget in will in place. So I'm thinking about that with our agency. In fact, how can we be so good at what we do? How can our offering, our delivery be so good that I actually don't never have to market? It can all be a referral or people talking about or getting reputation. And while I understand this can't be in every industry, it can be in a lot. And so that's what yes. we're talking about with clients. I had a similar conversation with a friend who is looking at upgrading their car. And same thing, they were looking at a brand that had some British heritage, let's say, but now is made in China. And they were looking at a European car and similar pricing, similar equipment. And one of the things that kind of annoyed them was they were using their entertainment system in the car and it was just laggy. It just didn't look the same. And they were like, I think I want to pay that extra money so I could have entertainment system that works correctly and that's what tipped them because the price wasn't all that different and so his thing was like i don't know whether i could live with this every day like this would just annoy me every time i got into the car and i had to listen to music or run the navigation and have this annoying thing reminding me every day how bad it is i think same thing with the product so there you go just another aspect to this, because uh, I actually was chatting and the, the person that prompted me, it was Adam Downer. We were chatting about this, about marketing ideas. And hey, shout out to Adam Louisa. How are you? He raised this idea that, you know, it's almost like the less impressive your product is, the more you have to put all these funnels in place. Yes. And of course, the example, you know, we we're chatting like Apple. Like you don't go to Apple and as you leave the Apple site, it's pop up. Oh, before you go, you know, sign Great. up for our something. There's no funnel. There's there's no, you know, sign up for six tips on on yep. how to improve your mobile experience. Then you go in the funnel, get these nurturing. Like, they don't need it because all they need is the product is so good. All they need, they do do newsletters, mind you. They just tell you about the product, right? So, they, I'd hate to use Apple because, you know, everyone talks about Apple and Tesla. We can't all be Apple and Tesla, right? But there is something to that. It's yes. almost, if your product's not good, we better bung all these funnels in place of it and just nurture you to death down the funnel to get you in. If the product was so good, you wouldn't need half of that. Correct. The product is the marketing in that sense. It replaces that funnel. All right. On to Insight of the Week, Craig. The Netflix merch shop has launched and the power of focus. I want to talk about focus here, harking back to previous episodes when we talked about getting rid of social channels. Remember, we're talking about yes. Joe Polizzi and things like that. We've been doing this. We've been really, and we've shared this on the show, how we're really trying to get really focused and do one or two things really good. Uh, and when I say we, I'm talking about you and me, Ian, as well, like the Hub, hub Shots piece. It's really about this podcast and the show notes. We just want them to be so good. And, you know, our social channels are kind of, well, I'm not working on them. You know, they're not the focus. We just want to do things. Correct. Anyway, so then when Netflix came out with their merchandising store this week or last week, they announced, I think it's a Shopify store. A lot of people are like, oh, about time. What's been going on? 
And it's not a new idea, right? And I've actually got a screenshot of an email thread I was involved in from 2017 where we're talking about, oh, people are already pricing in a Netflix merchandising store arm, right? So the idea wasn't new four years ago. Mm. And so you can bet if I was chatting about it then with people that Netflix have probably thought about it a decade ago, right? So it's not a new idea. So the question, and this is what I find fascinating, not that they've launched a a shop, but why did they wait so long? I love to have been a fly on the wall around those decisions when leadership or management was saying, no, we're not doing it. No, 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 we're not doing it. No one would have uh, disagreed that it's a great idea, but they decided to wait until now. And that is the power of focus. And I think this goes back to marketing. So there's plenty of good ideas, but marketing leaders, they know how to say no to most of them and really focus on the key ones and do them really well. And that's the other thing. If you look at that Netflix shop, it's not just something they whacked up on Shopify quickly, you know, one weekend. It's really well done. They've got Mm. whole artists and communities involved to create this really beautiful set of merchandise for certain shows. It's really well done. That's focus. And that's the path I want to go down. All right. On to our throwback of the week, Craig. And this is via the HubSpot product blog. This time a year ago, HubSpot was announcing the activity logs and that gave you the ability to export login activity and content change activity in enterprise hubs. Now, listeners, there's a great resource of the week. It's called Photopea and it's a very cool tool. Basically, it's Photoshop in your browser and built in JavaScript for those of the, the technical wizards amongst us, all by one person All by too. one person. He's been doing it since 2013. So there you go. So I encourage you to, to do a search and give it a go and see what it's like. All right, Craig, on to our quote of the week. I think you should tell this. Look, I've just got some dust in my eye, Anne. I know you shared this with us. Just, just some dust. It's just dust. It's, yeah, it's listeners, not. you've got to watch this video. That's in the show notes. But here's the quote. This is from Nightbird, and she says, you can't wait until life isn't hard anymore before you decide to be happy. Now, her life is hard, and if you watch the video, you'll find out why and her story, and you've just got to watch this. And if you've got some dust in your eye after watching this, I totally understand. And we've got some bonus links in there too, the divide. Did you see that screenshot? (laughs) This is so good, where Wired has a story called How the Web Became, and actually underneath it, there's the word unreadable, but you can't actually read it because there's a cookie pop up in front of it. It's like, it's just so priceless. I know. You have to sometimes wonder about these things. We've got a few, quite a few links to, if you're interested in learning SEO from Ahrefs, Moz, and the Content King Academy. So, well worth a look. And finally, there's a great little image there about correlation versus causation. And you've got to look at this to have a good laugh. All right. On to our big shots of the week, Craig. Just a follow-up to marketing stats. And this is an article on Search Engine Journal about debunking marketing stats. And this time it's that zero-click results we chatted about in the Correct. episode 240. So a couple of months ago, and I, I, when I read this, I was like, oh, you know what? I don't think we gave enough due diligence to that report that we talked about at the time. Although I do think we did caveat by saying, it, you know, it is just a data source that's not representative of a whole. But we did talk about it, or I did talk about it with some kind of insight available yep. from it. This is a counterexample saying it's just rubbish. Like you cannot, 
you cannot rely on this. It's just marketing malarkey, these studies. And I kind of feel challenged about that. And I think that's a good challenge because we always do want to come back to the marketing set and say, how reliable are these? They make a great headline or clickbait, but actually, are they actionable? Are they realistic? And this is a good article that dives into and dispels why. So talking about that and talking about zero search results, zero click search results, I've increasingly been seeing a lot of this and how Google is able to uncover a lot of this within search. And I was even observing my mum this week, searching for certain things. She did one search. She didn't click through anywhere. She read all of the answers on the Google search result page. And that was it. And I was like, oh, wow. I was just observing her experience on trying to find an answer to, I think she was trying to find out if a dragon, how do you tell if a dragon fruit is ripe? (laughs) Which is really interesting, right? And just how it, it uncovered it highlighted the certain words, made it really clear to her, and she didn't have to go anywhere else to figure out. And all those PAAs, the, the P, uh, people also ask uh, That's responses exactly. there. Yes. You know, they just keep filling up. They're really That's good. That's right. As a user experience for her, it's great. Why exactly. would she want to leave? It's super fast. Oh, I get more and I refine my search. I get more. Exactly. I like it as well. As a marketer, I don't like it. It's because, wow, I don't know how am I going to get any of that traffic? You exactly. Know? But I'm, I'm actually on the user's side on this, and I kind of feel as marketers, we have to go, you know what, it's changing. Might not like it, but it's a better experience for the consumer. Thank you, Google. That's right. We've got to change what we do. We can't complain about this. Oh, it's so unfair. No, change is happening. That's right. And finally, we've got our HubSpot job of the week, the HubSpot marketing manager in Melbourne, which is full-time. Listeners, again, if you'd like to join us on the 28-day marketing challenge, please go to hubshots.com and sign up. And we would love to have you there on the 1st of July. Well, Craig, until next week. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there, thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. To get the latest show notes, HubSpot tips and resources, sign up at hubshots.com. You can also book time with us to help you grow better with HubSpot.